Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. It's Nicole Giantonio, the founder of Left Foot, and I'm here to announce that our 12 audio-based business development challenges are now available. 12 practical, execution-oriented steps to predictable success. Part of the Left Foot GPS growth practice solutions for business development. Go to leftfoot.com GPS for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest is an active contributor to the global legal project management community. He believes in diligent matter planning practices and utilizes technology extensively in his work, understanding the necessity for transparency and clear communication on legal matters. The manager of legal project management at Dorsey, Brendan McInerney. Welcome to Left Foot. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you as a guest on our program, Brendan. Let's jump into our questions. You've changed the conversation around legal project management within your firm. Let's talk about how you've done that. Can you describe for us the evolution of legal project management within Dorsey? Yeah, I think, I mean, Dorsey's awareness of legal project management goes all the way back to around 2010. And I only arrived in 2014, but early on, they were very focused on training their attorneys in the concepts of legal project management. And they had consultants come in and do CLEs on legal project management. They procured software engaged from Thomson Reuters to try and have some way to use technology to track budget to actuals and really kind of foster better, more disciplined matter management. But as you can imagine, not having a human resource, a project manager to kind of steer and guide that process, the rollout of legal project management at Dorsey really kind of created an issue where they needed to bring somebody on and to really set up a a project management office at Dorsey and and start instilling legal project management as a process for Dorsey's attorneys. And early on in the first year that I got here, a big theme was really just assessing the culture of the firm. Because as you know, every law firm has its own culture. It has its own geography, its own issues with how many offices it has. They're organizationally different. And so we really looked at what was it about Dorsey that was unique or what was our value proposition to our clients currently and how could we use legal project management to enhance that. And so we started by breaking down legacy processes, looking at how we could be more operationally efficient internally. And we're really focused internally, not just building the legal project management program, but also doing a little bit of marketing and internally to our partners. And so when we looked at the other pioneers of legal project management that were out there, a lot of them focused on breaking down processes and you know looking at legal matters and trying to break them down into like a process map where there are discrete tasks that are done at each stage. And we looked at that and we said that, you know, based on our culture, our read on it is that we need something bigger. We need to have disruption really at our firm. And so Dorsey focused on whole scale legal project management where we're looking at serving all the partners of the firm, all the clients, and making sure that we're embedding legal project management as the way that we do business. So kind of in that second year, we were really focused on, you know, doing more internal marketing, formalizing the process, establishing a service delivery model so that we had a platform from legal project management to define the services to our attorneys and ways that we could help them manage their matters. And in doing that, we had kind of a framework that we could use and apply to the legal matters the firm was executing on. We really focused on marketing ourselves internally 
as taking administrative tasks off of the plates of partners because we knew that nobody wanted another burden or another administrative hoop to jump through. So we were very careful about how we market ourselves internally. And ultimately, the message we gave our partners was that this is not about changing your practice. It's not about changing the way you proceed through legal work. It's about augmenting what you already do successfully with more process and discipline. And then ultimately, in the third year, which really just ended, we really started to figure out that we had a really good story to tell about what we had done with our internal process improvements and instilling legal project management at Dorsey. And we focused on the marketplace. We said, we need to be out there talking with clients more about this. We need to get in front of them. We have to be more on pitches and bids and looking at RFPs and answering the question about legal project management more and more. And so we became both more hands-on internally with our legal teams, working alongside our partners, and also delve more into client-facing legal project management. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction to the work that you're doing. Let's talk first about how receptive the lawyers were. First, you know, feedback you got from lawyers. There's definitely culture change that needed to happen. So we got pushback from partners early on. It wasn't too broad scale, but there were definitely pockets of it. And I think the way that we've addressed it through our program is that we've taken a very scalable approach to how we assist our attorneys with uh, their practices. Some attorneys will have a need for better communication within a, a team internally. And so maybe we're acting as facilitators of team meetings and making sure we're being cognizant of managing to the plan, the budget, the client's needs. Others might have a focus of just simply creating a matter budget or a matter plan and getting that over to the client. And others are interested in really showcasing legal project management and the efficiencies that our clients gain through legal project management to their clients. But you know, there's resistance that you you face and you can't focus on really spending too much time dwelling on those who are not willing to participate. And I think that we've got a lot of converts from skeptical attorneys who you know, were kind of afraid of legal project management. And I've heard this story over and over that they had a perception of it, that it was going to be an administrative burden. And as I alluded to earlier, we were very focused on not making that the case. I've been dealing with partners and associates at big law firms and in-house legal departments for my entire career. And so I kind of knew how to read that their responses and also have situational awareness about when we should be backing off and when we need to be a little bit more forceful. So there are times where we're not afraid to make the argument for legal project management, but we're also not going to argue with attorneys who are trained to argue for a living and try to convince them to do something that they're just simply not willing to do. So we focus on where the highest value is, where the client need is, and really just basically pounding the pavement and making sure that attorneys know that we're here to help them. You know, it's interesting. We're publishing a podcast next week and the guest talked about when e-billing first came in 10 years ago and how back then, you know, his comfort level and desire to embrace it was not high. And that today he really looks and says, you know, I can't live without it. So I, you know, I have a sense that this is going to be the same. And some, I'm sure many lawyers already feel that way, that without legal project management, they would not be able to manage matters the way they are today, as well as deliver real strong data to their clients about what has transpired and what is basically going to translate to be how they're going to communicate about their bill, which I think is a big part of this. But let's start with though, what has been the feedback from clients? What have you heard both positive and negative, both from current clients. And then we'll you know, follow up with a question about prospective clients, because that I think is definitely an area of interest for our listeners. What has been the feedback from current clients on the project management that you've rolled out to date? Yeah. So like, as I mentioned this year, we've been focused really heavily on the clients and the ones we've worked with, the feedback has been extremely positive. One thing that surprised me this year, though, talking to our clients is that 
a lot of them are facing the same cultural challenges in-house. They're really trying to have their own disruption because, like you said, they've been gathering this e-billing data. It's not always the best data. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to control their attorneys in-house. So there's a lot of the same analogous experiences in-house that there are at the law firm level. So we're very cognizant of that, and we've been trying to make sure that we're, we're thinking about that as we go through you know, delivering value to our clients. But our experience has been very positive with our clients because what they see is that we're putting rigor, discipline, and process in front of everything and really taking what they've provided us via their outside counsel guidelines, direct communication, their billing requirements, and taking it to heart and really baking those notions or themes or processes into the way that we deliver our legal work. So for example, when a client says, we have certain staffing requirements or we want you to use diverse staffing requirements, we want you to right size to make sure that the right level of attorney or legal professional is doing the work and we're not having a partner billing for drafting something. With legal project management, we're able to show through our matter plan, through the budgeting process, and through thinking about the work, not just from the invoice level to month level, but through the the holistic matter, how we plan to execute on the work. And then they have that communication up front and the ability to understand what we're planning on doing an opportunity to speak up if something's misaligned in terms of how they want us to proceed in the legal work and how we're proposing to do so. So with the clients we've worked with so far, it's been a really positive. Great to hear. Definitely would like to share if you have a success story or an aha moment where a client really recognized the fact that legal project management made a, a difference in how they were able to manage the matter internally, or if there's a success story where a Dorsey partner said, wow, this made a significant difference and and allowed us to be more effective. Right. One example I can think of right off the bat, it's more to do with how we got to essentially with a pitch win work from a client with legal project management being involved. And what happened is this client had a large trademark portfolio and they were going to put it out for an RFP. They decided to let us know in advance they were going to do that, and were asking for us to come up with a proposal. So we had our pricing director, Jason Osnes, and Laura Mueller, one of our legal project managers involved in working with that client previously. Laura, in particular, had been working with a partner to manage the matters that they were handling behind the scenes for over a year. So when it came time to actually talk to the client about price, talk to them about how we're going to manage the work, Lauren had good data points and had been managing matters with this partner. It was a group of matters that included our Hong Kong office and our Minneapolis office. And so when we went to the client meeting and Lauren was able to speak to how they've been managing the work and said that we understand the trademark clearance work you're doing and we can actually come up with a really relevant pricing proposal that takes into account you know, what type of work you're going to have going on this year. We know how to manage it to a fixed fee. They were really impressed. And so we wound up winning the work. And I think that's just a great example of how on the client side, legal project management really can really shine through and that you don't always need to be doing it for the reasons of the budgetary reasons that clients may have up front. You can do it based on just wanting to be more efficient in your practice. And really, you'll have those opportunities to prove to the client it's going to increase the value in their experience overall. Last week, we had a, a meeting with an IP litigator in our Denver office. And he was responsive to a client who needed basically five different budget scenarios for an IP litigation. And getting an attorney to make one budget, versus, let alone five budgets, is, is really difficult. So. He had been proactive and really diligent actually about creating various scenarios for executing on the matter through default judgment, through settlement, through trial and the like. And we were doing legal project management. We were tracking the matter. We had a standing monthly meeting with the client. And in advance of that meeting, we were looking at our October financials and we saw that we were going over budget and he kind of froze. He was thinking, well, I did all this work up front. I created this budget. 
I advertise that to the client. How am I going to explain to them that we're over budget and we have variance to budget? I need to know how we're going to do that. And it sounds so simple to me as a legal project manager, but you have to keep in mind that with IP litigator, they're used to managing from the invoice. You know, they're looking at it month to month. They're thinking about write-offs and all that kind of thing. What we were able to communicate to him, which ultimately got communicated to the client, is that the work we planned, there's work that's out of scope. The work that we planned, there's work that's done ahead of schedule. So let's make those adjustments, communicate the changes to the matter plan to the client. And at the end of the day, they were satisfied with our answer. And what he was fearing was they're going to want us to write off all this time, but really it was value-add work. And so just having him understand you know, how the process can help him in his individual practice and also show through on the client side because they were getting the good communication they asked for on a regular basis was kind of an aha moment for him. Thank you for sharing that story. And you hit on a number of topics and definitely ones we've heard from the general counsel and legal operations professionals that we've interviewed really is that focus on efficiency, communicating scenarios for potential outcomes, and really doing that as part of a pitch. Those are all critical. And whether that's for a current client, a prospective client, but really saying, you know, these are the potential ways we can take this. And here is some real information on how this would play out. You know, we're hearing that more and more. And that really lends to using legal project management effectively in that pre-award pitch type of scenario. And now a word from our sponsor, Nicole here, and a shout out and thank you for tuning into the Left Foot Podcast. Are you looking to energize your business development efforts? Our 12 Left Foot Business Development Challenges will energize your efforts in three areas. Business Development Grit, tactical habits that lead to business development success, including networking, nailing your niche, how to focus and develop an expert reputation, commercial savoir-faire, a discussion on business and the revenue side of law. At Left Foot, we believe 20% of people are natural at business development, 10% say no to business development, and 70% are neutral and can adopt the skills necessary when presented in an organized, methodical way. To learn more and be challenged, go to the GPS page at leftfoot.com. Thank you, Brendan, for bringing this point forward. We talk about communicating, and especially for litigators, that idea that you can communicate with your client about changes that are occurring to what was the original plan. And having the data to be able to communicate effectively, I mean, those are real strong ways of building comfort in those lawyers for going back to the client and letting know that something has changed or that something is out of scope or that you're doing critical work ahead of schedule. I think, you know, what a great reflection on that because those things happen. And, you know, I think that immediate response of the lawyer tensing up because they didn't want to have to go back and change, you know, the communication that they made to the client. In this case, they have the data to go back to the client and communicate the change. Great reflection on that. Tell me something. Were you able to take that scenario and communicate that out more broadly within Dorsey to help other partners, other lawyers embrace the work that you're doing? You know, we've done it in the past, you know, with that kind of internal marketing at the firm where we obviously want to use case studies. We want to show attorneys in the context of the practice that they have and the work that they do, how does this apply? So we have a number of examples of attorneys who, you know, have come to the table skeptical and left with a real understanding of how this isn't as scary as it need, you know, they might think it is at the outset. It's really something that's going to help them. But in particular, what I like about that story is, I think as you alluded to, is the client uh, value, right? It's getting in front of the client and communicating. And we have a strong feeling that project management is 
almost all about communication. There's a lot of stuff that goes behind it. Like you said, the data, you have to have a baseline at the beginning of a matter, whether it's multiple scenarios or just a really good budget. But that's the launching off point. That's not the end all be all. We don't look at budgets unless it's a fixed fee, for example, as something that can't be changed and can't be adjusted as we go because our clients don't want us to predict at the outset of litigation exactly how it's going to go and stick to that. They want us to react. They want us to do legal work. So obviously, the data that goes into building that matter plan informs the management process, but it's not the end-all be-all. We need to be communicating as we work through legal matters. We need to keep regular communication and formal communication, which is one of the ways that we've really focused is our efforts with our attorneys is that in a litigation, for example, we may not have all the data points or the client pressure to put together a life of matter budget that goes from here all the way through trial, right? But what we do is we say, look, if you can't budget to the hilt, if you don't see the value in doing that right now, let's start with the next three months. Let's look at the docket. Let's, let's make sure we know what's coming down the road. But then let's also layer that communication with the client based on what we're projecting for the next several months. And we found in particular with litigation and litigators, that's what works really well because they have the foresight to look a few months down the road, but they obviously can't always come up with the full matter plan. So again, we focus on scalability because we have that approach of, in some cases, it's necessary to do the full life of matter budget in five different scenarios as this one IP litigator did. But in other cases, the easiest way to instill legal project management is simply by focusing on the small things, communication, team meetings, talking to the client about not just the legal process, but also the financial progress in relation to the matter plan. Absolutely agree with that idea that it doesn't have to be the whole thought out process, but you know, having legal project management influence the way the practice, the way the lawyer is working you know, is significant or the communication with the client. Absolutely, absolutely agree. In our conversations leading up to today, we talked a bit about the challenges of scaling legal project management, and especially in a firm like Dorsey, which has you know global practices, is very broad in your approach to the market. What advice would you have for other lawyers, other legal project managers, other partners that are looking to embrace legal project management and rolling it out and having it be an effective part of a firm? What advice would you have for those others trying to do what you've done effectively there at Dorsey? Well, I mean, it gets back to culture and geography, as you alluded to, is important. If you have a global law firm and you're trying to instill legal project management throughout all of your offices and all of your practices, that's what we did. And that worked for us. And I think the reason it works is because, again, we focused on developing this framework and these types of services that we deliver to our attorneys and our clients but we're not prescribing, we're not forcing our attorneys to do a formal matter plan and a budget and have team meetings. And you know, It's scalable on a matter-by-matter matter basis based on the needs and where we can add the highest value and the highest immediate impact. So if you're doing something like a broad-scale legal project management program where, again, we're focused on the conversation of disruption, we want to change the way that we deliver legal services globally. We're not just looking at one practice or one attorney. We want to help all of our attorneys do this and make it a part of their practice. But there are other cases where I know that firms are regional or they have only a few offices or maybe they're focused at their boutique. You know, it's understandable that they may take a different approach. They may be focused on doing things like work breakdowns and process maps and and really kind of breaking down the legal process into discrete tasks, quantifying effort and all of that. So I don't think there's one approach necessarily, but my advice would be that 
if you're a firm like we are and, and you're a global firm with a lot of offices and a lot of attorneys, make sure that you're focused on embracing disruption. Don't run away from it. Make sure you're not afraid to be shot down by attorneys. Don't be afraid of failure because there's plenty of constituents to help. There's plenty of people to help. And the thing we've learned a lot in internal marketing here is that what works the best is getting in front of people in a room. Don't make it all about training from the home office. Don't make it all about sending the messages out via email. You know, you have to be coming at it from all angles. Have an internet presence. Make sure that you're out there getting in on pitches, talking to clients. Make sure that you're getting in front of practice groups. Make sure you're visiting the offices because you have to be there and be part of the conversation and have people see your face and give them the opportunity to ask you questions about what you're doing and dispel the myths that I think some have around legal project management, which is that it's an administrative burden when in fact, it's the opposite. It's relieving an administrative burden. No, I have to absolutely agree. And I think that when they see the passion, they see that you know, the effectiveness of it, and they really hear from the people doing it that like many things that we experience, once you get over the learning curve, it's, I can't believe I did my work without this. It's so much more effective to actually use the methodology or the process behind it to become more efficient in the process of rolling this out, in the process of working to help use this to disrupt the way the firm used to operate. What was the most surprising response from you? Was there something that was easier than you thought it would be or that much harder than you thought it would be? What was the most surprising part of getting this rolled out in a way that it has been embraced? The most surprising thing, and I will say this, this is by far the most surprising thing, is how simple it really is when you get in a room with people, a matter team, and everybody's at the table to communicate about how we're going to execute on the work and to see, again, light bulbs go off in everyone's heads. They're, They're saying, we've never sat down and talked about how we're going to execute in legal work, who has the ball, who has the responsibility. And just by merely facilitating the conversation, how impactful that can be. I think that's really, to me, the most surprising thing. It's not about, again, all the process behind everything, I don't think. I think it's important. Don't get me wrong. I do think that you have to have a framework and you have to know what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do within the confines of your program. But people are so collaborative by nature, even attorneys who are often competing with each other or are really busy people and are working insane hours and have a lot of deadlines to deal with. They really welcome the opportunity to provide feedback. And so getting the associates and the paralegals in the room with the partners, it's amazing. You don't always see that communication happen organically. So just simply facilitating that communication and the formality of having a regular meeting to talk about progress to plan has been astonishingly easy to get quick wins with our attorneys. It's an interesting point, you know, that as busy as these team members are to take the time and then see the value. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're seeing the value because they're seeing how others are responding to it. Whether that be other lawyers, whether that be the the associates, whether that be the team members, you know, really embracing this process and the clients, the clients perking up when you say, you know, we've rolled out this legal project management in a very effective way within Dorsey. And, you know, we want to be communicating data to you. Brendan, what we're hearing from especially clock members that have come on our program that we've been in conversation with, when a firm comes to them proactively and says, we have data we think you'll be interested in related to the matters we've been working on for your organization, they pay attention. That's such a good point. I've been a big fan of clocks since they started. And yes, where you and I met last year at the Institute, I think they're the ones that are going to drive all this innovation. And I think being proactive is what it's all about. To that end, we are communicating with our clients 
based on what the requirements of the client are. But sometimes our attorneys don't have to do that because there's an attorney to attorney relationship, right? Between the law firm and in-house. And they're not always cognizant of what the business operation side of the legal department has wanted to instill in terms of process. So by communicating and, and proactively making sure that we're doing reporting, progress meetings, things like that, it draws in the other parts of the legal department that are not that point attorney. It's the legal ops people. And they have different concerns too. They're minding the business. So we've done things like working with our vendor, Elevate. We use their Kale project, legal project management software to manage matters and budgets. They have this extranet type of site. I mean, it's called Client View, where we can proactively provide access to our clients on all their matters and where we're at from a time and billing perspective as it relates to the matter plan. So if we have a phase and task budget, a time period based budget, or any other kind of matter plan in there, they can actually pull that information right out. And so we're working on doing more of that proactive reach out to our, our clients and saying, we have the technological resources that we want to share with you because we see that as building a bridge of communication. And we don't want to manage from the invoice or the pre-bill. We want to be thinking more critically about the whole matter and also your portfolio because most of our clients have several matters with us. So it's a good way to help them mine their legal budgets. And I think the more proactive you can be in reaching out to clients with things like that and also providing them things like legal project management training. They have to navigate the same cultural changes with their attorneys and the structure of their legal department. So we can be allies in this and we can reach out and work together. And I think Clock is doing an amazing job of really kind of becoming the umbrella for everyone to start talking more and more about that. And the one advantage Clock has is that it's all legal departments. So they're not really in competition with each other as much. But I like that they're inviting law firms in, that they want to have this dialogue with alternative legal service providers, law firms, academics, everybody who's interested in the disruption conversation and solve these problems. So I think it's a really fascinating time to be involved in law. I absolutely agree. And it's interesting. And thank you for mentioning the fact that they have the educators in there because they have not only law school educators. I recently interviewed Scott Westfall, the director of executive education at Harvard Law School. And he was saying, you know, that was critical. They have an ability working with law firm leaders around the world to say, you know, we have to pay attention to the changes in the industry. We have to modernize the way we're approaching the business side of this. And whether that's the way we relate to millennials in our firms, whether that's the way we are working with clients on the the value message behind the work that they're doing with outside legal counsel, whether that's basically saying, hey, with the use of technology, we probably don't have to look at every matter individually. We can look at that matter and compare it to past experience and come up with a decision quicker. I think there's a lot to be said. And you're right, clock's part of that. Great lead into our next question. Our listeners are tuning in because we talk about business development at Left Foot. We also talk about innovation. What are you seeing out there that you think is truly innovative in today's legal environment? Well, aside from the examples of using more communication tools that are technology-based with clients and just the things that Clock are doing in general, and again, I think the legal departments are really the ones that are going to be driving this. There's been a lot of talk about artificial intelligence you know, and, and how that can help mine data better. I know we've had, we have a historical problem with law firms and time and billing data that a lot of it can be junk. So you know, one has to be careful. But a lot of the new machine learning and AI technology that I've seen is really kind of forgetting about task codes and, and how the people who are entering the time might have 
coded their work and they're saying, let's analyze the narratives. Let's look at the combination of role and person and hours and fees and a narrative and put it all together and try to break this all down using technology rather quickly to parse it out into the various tasks that are really going on in the matter. And when you have some powerful technology that can do that for you, you can then very quickly get to the, the analysis part is already done. You're just looking at how it slices and dices the work and you can leverage insights in terms of what is the average cost for a deposition in our litigation matters? You know, what does it cost to do X? What are we writing off the most? Where is there not value being added? And why are we doing that as a law firm? Can we change that? Can we become more efficient? Where are clients telling us through rejecting things through e-billing, where they're not seeing value? And what are we doing to control that internally? So I think the insights you can gain from AI, and I think this is a little bit aspirational. I'm not fully bought and sold on it being ready now, but I think it's going to get there. I think it's going to become really relevant. And I think that the firms that adopt that technology sooner are sort of evaluating it sooner and also focus on normalizing their own data practices and how they gather data and set up matters in tandem are going to create some amazing data analytics that really help clients make better decisions about how they proceed with matters, uh, what the matter should cost, and a lot of other things. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think, you know, I look at artificial intelligence, especially in the legal environment, as big data on steroids. It is not intended to take over the work that the lawyers are doing. It's the use of data. So great energy. Thank you for the conversation. Before we go, two questions. First, Brendan, what do you enjoy most about the work that you're doing? It's never dull. We have a lot of challenges that we're facing and it's just never dull. I embrace the challenges as I've mentioned and the disruption and working in a law firm, I get to collaborate with so many really intelligent people, really high thinkers and people who can focus their efforts and really think about what problems we need to be solving and they're not bogged down in the way that they've done things in the past. So I think it's an exciting place to be right now in legal project management in big law. We're at the front line. It's nice to see clients and internal clients and external. So for me, my internal clients are the partners. Externally, our actual clients, it's really great when they see the value of what we're doing and just seeing them have those aha moments or be very happy about the value provided is very rewarding. I can hear that in your voice. Any last points you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? If you're starting a legal project management program, you need to focus on the end goal, which is client value. So make sure that you're focusing on understanding your client's business goals, using the client value proposition as a way to force your attorneys to be thinking critically about why they're doing this and talk about it as lifting administrative burden, not as adding additional work to their plate and make sure that you're following through on that as well. And the other thing I'd say is embrace disruption because this is going to keep happening. This isn't a trend that's abating. It's going to be more disruptive in the years to come. And if you can be part of the solution earlier on, you're going to have more opportunities. Definitely agree. We're in a point of disruption and to embrace it because there's going to be a lot of change. Brendan, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. For information on our podcast, our 12-session business development challenge, and our online business development coursework, visit leftfoot.com. It takes focus and thought to lead with the left foot. Until next time.